you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stort Show. Let's go. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Andy Stort Show. This is a show where we can come together to starve our fears, follow our dreams, and fulfill our true potential. And we will do that together. And we will cover so many different topics on this show, topics that will make us better, that will help us learn, that will help us grow. We're not limited to business or personal development or life or health or fitness. We will cover all of those things. And we also have the freedom to go outside and cover topics that you will not hear about on very many shows. And today I have a show for you that is going to come through on that promise because today we're going to talk about porn. That's right. We are going to talk about porn addiction and it is something that afflicts so many people in our country and around the world, mostly men. And it's all something that is not talked about very much at all. You hear people talk about being alcoholics, if they're willing to talk about that, drug addicts. You don't hear about porn addiction that much because people are really afraid to speak about it because of judgment. My guest today is a friend of mine who is a very courageous man who is willing to speak up and talk about his addiction and how he overcame that. And today we are talking with my friend, Scott Swanson. Scott struggled with pornography since he was nine years old. And that struggle stagnated growth in just about every area of his life. He was finally able to break free from the change of this habit over the last couple of years and is now on a massive growth spree with all kinds of free energy in every area of his life improving. And he was inspired to write a book about his experience. And it outlines the steps that he took to become porn free, to save his marriage and to improve his life. And it is critical advice that can help so many others that are in this type of situation. And I can tell you from experience, I have been actively involved in a dad's group for the last two years, the Dad's Edge Alliance run by Larry Hagner, which is a fantastic group. If you are a dad, I highly recommend you check it out. And so many guys have come in there talking about their struggles with this. So I know it is relatable to a lot of men out there. And I also know that everybody has struggles. Everybody has things that they either get addicted to or they have bad habits they're trying to break. And Scott is going to give some advice today that will be helpful in that type of situation. He's also going to talk about how he overcame the fear of judgment to share this publicly. He wrote a book about it. He posted on Facebook. He's going on podcasts. I think that is awesome. I think it's courageous. I think it's fascinating um, for all of us to learn from that and see how much support he gets versus the judgment that we're often afraid of when we try to, we think about putting things like this out there. So without further ado, get excited. I give you my interview with Scott Swanson about how he overcame his addiction to porn. Scott Swanson, what is up? Welcome to the Andy Stort Show. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, really cool to have you. And also feels weird to say welcome to the Andy Stewart Show. The last time we yeah. talked, I had a different podcast and just relaunching recently under the new name. And uh, what I love, this is a great example of why I wanted to start this podcast because I loved the conversations I was having before about entrepreneurship uh, when I had the entrepreneur hot seat. But it was very limiting for me because I like having conversations about all kinds of things that are personal development related, especially uh, when people do things to, to get over fear or accomplish major goals or tackle challenges. And when I heard about what you've been talking about with the book that you're writing or coming out with and the conversations you've been having, I knew this is something that would be unique and possibly even controversial and therefore a good topic for the show. So it's really cool to have you on. Yeah, no, I'm excited to uh, to talk more, and I'm honored to be on your show, and and I'm I'm excited, man. Cool. Well, uh, just quick background. You know, we got to know each other through uh, Larry Hagner and the Dad's Edge Alliance. And uh, as we record this, we're both wearing our Dad's Edge Alliance hats. So uh, great branding by Larry Hagner. 
Uh-huh. We're still wearing, we're always wearing his hats. I wear mine to the gym almost every day. And that, you know, the thing that kind of bonds us in that group is that we are all fathers who want to really improve our lives, you know, live the best life possible. And all of us have challenges that we have to deal with, that we're trying to deal with, right? For some, it's, you know, being a better father, like being present with their kids. Some people, it's their marriage. Some people, it's getting over addictions, things like alcohol and drugs. And one thing that comes up a lot in the group that I just don't hear people talking about much in the public domain is, is porn addiction. And yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize how many men are addicted to porn and how much it can control people's lives. And that's what you have written about with your book, right? Yeah. And, and it's funny that you bring that up. Like the stats kind of vary depending on the source that you pick, but it's anywhere between 50 and 99% of men struggle with pornography. And uh, whether they believe it's a struggle or not, that's up to you and in your own head. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a huge topic. And it, it's so funny to me how it's so glamorized, you know, in the media about every movie or TV show, they talk about, you know, guys sitting around watching porn or whatever, and, or, you know, having multiple sexual partners and it's glamorized everywhere you see it. But when you actually have a struggle with it, nobody wants to hear about it. And um, when you're in it, it seems like you're the only one. And it seems like even though you, if you do know that everybody else struggles with it, how are you going to even bring that up in a conversation or how are you going to break free from that? And that's that's yeah. sort of where where I ended up uh, writing the book just to to help men have a, have an avenue and and a different method to kind of challenge their brains into what they're focusing on in order to break free. Yeah, I mean it's it's not a conversation that that's going to come up very much, other than you know maybe one guy testing the waters by saying, "Hey, what's your favorite porn site?" or something like that, yeah, right? Right, right? But until I joined the dads group and started hearing people talk about their struggles with it. You know, I had no idea, and you don't know, you know, how much of control it has over others. So let, let's start with your story, man. Tell me your sure. story. How did all this come about? Yeah, so I I'll go all the way back. I was the youngest of four boys growing up. We had a fantastic childhood. We lived in Minnesota the majority of the time. Um, moved to Texas for a, a small stint there, but uh, came back to Minnesota, and and we just really had a fantastic childhood. One day when I was nine years old, I was I was outside and a car drove by and something flew out the window and it was a it was a, a car air freshener that hangs from the rearview mirror and it had a naked woman on it and uh, at the malleable age of nine I saw that and got all sorts of good feelings inside myself and it really just kind of took control of my brain how can I see more of this and and how can I get access to this kind of stuff and. I was always a very respectful kid, just a sweet kid, but I always had this little thing inside me that just wanted to to feed this lust inside of my, you know, my mind and I was very creative as a kid when it came to finding, you know, ways to to satisfy that desire like sports illustrated ads or yeah. uh, you know little scraps of Playboy magazines from from a friend's dad's, you know, magazine that they had in the closet or whatever and so I was very creative with it. And I grew up in the church, so it was very much uh, looked down upon. I felt like I had to put forth, you know, this face all the time that I didn't struggle with it because it was it was scary, you know. And when I was really young, it was really exhilarating and very adventurous. But yet, it was it was uh, totally the opposite of what I've been, what I was being taught. So I had this internal conflict growing up. But at the age of nine, ten, eleven, I don't feel like I had the you know mental capacity to understand. Uh, that battle within myself, or how to really reconcile that with with how I was being taught, as opposed to how I was how I was feeling about it, mm. and so it just allowed pornography to really get deep into my brain and really engraved there. And then, obviously, as you get older, and there's by the way, and there, as that's happening, there's no one you can have a conversation with about that. With no, like, I mean, especially if you're in the church and it's so shunned. You can't talk to anybody about that. Right. Nor did I know like at that age, I didn't know, like I didn't know that anybody else, I thought I was the only boy, you know, that was really at least this deep into it. Like we had obviously my friends who had the the magazines from their dad, like they had been exposed to it. And I understood that, but I didn't get that there was there was other people out there that were also, you know, even my age that really were seeking it on a frequent basis. And 
And so it just and it just became easier and easier as technology advanced and you know streaming video came out early 2000s and you know and that changed the whole ball game you're you're no longer having to look at a, a static image you can mm-hmm. just literally you don't have to use any imagination anymore yep and then it yep. just not to go to a, you know be 18 or whatever to go to a porn store to you know to rent or buy a video you can just get it online for free yep and you don't have to be creative anymore you know iPhones came out you know, computers got more advanced and you don't have to be creative and, and try to sneak around or anything. You just, you have it right there. And, and yep. once it's easy, then it's really difficult to, to break free from it too. And, you know, I always put forth a face in the church and, and I, was, I was very active in it. And I really believed the things that I believed. It wasn't that I, you know, I, I doubted my faith or anything or doubted God or anything like that. It was just, there's this hidden thing. Everybody's messed up. Everybody's got their thing. Yeah. After I graduated high school, I just kind of went out on my own, left the church, started actually acting out on some of the things I'd only thought about because I no longer had to show my face in church anymore and really just left a wake of, of disaster behind me. Hurt a lot of people emotionally during that time. Uh, just really wasn't a very good human being, especially to women, because I had gained these expectations of, of what a man is supposed to be like and what I'm expected to behave like and what women are supposed to behave like. And I brought that into You're my watching own porn, you mean, like, because of you right. see how that's the interaction, that's what you understand sex to be like, which is one yeah. of the big dangers in society today, right? That like kids are learning about sex from watching porn and yeah. that they think that's how sex is supposed to be. And it's not like this loving, match reciprocal kind of thing, but it's more of what, you know, hardcore type stuff where men are treating women poorly and that, that influenced you to act that way. Yeah. And it, it like, there's no connection involved with porn, you know, and right. especially like men and, and women watch porn differently. Women tend to watch the ones with the storylines with, you know, you can see the faces and, and men, it doesn't really matter as much so that if sex becomes something that is connectionless. And uh, I think that once, once they get older, that's what they sort of expect. And then they wonder why there's all of, you know, all these emotions that come uh, with it from the female perspective and from the males, but we've stifled them our whole life because we, you know, have just wasted and cheapened our sexual experience on porn. And I'm not here to convince people that porn is bad. That's up to you. I would challenge anybody that that doesn't think that porn is is wrong or or bad to, you know, really think about the connection that you have with your significant other in your sexual life. Like, really think about how much better that could be and try it. You know, like I always say with, with alcohol, like yeah. everybody deserves to have a 30 day challenge. Right. You know, everybody uh-huh. deserves that. Yeah. To give that to themselves. I did it. It turned out, you know, I'm still going today. It's been, you know, since February for that, but I feel like just stop and, and see, well, one, see how difficult it is to stop. And then there's, there's a, a side of this that doesn't think the porn's bad, nor do they think it's addictive. Um, but I'll, I'll say that it is very difficult to stop. And then, challenge you to, to really see how your connection with your spouse can be enhanced uh, mm-hmm. when you remove that because it removes your ability to go to that for any sort of you know need or sexual uh, gratification. And it forces you to have conversations. Like you have to talk about your sex life. Yeah. You know, and that's been one of the biggest things with getting rid of it um, that's really been, been helpful for my wife and I is that now that I've removed the crutch we now can have, like, we have to have these conversations. Otherwise, yeah. you know, sex is very important for a relationship, obviously. Right. right. And so, but anyways, I'm, I'm going on and on here. But well, yeah, that's no, okay. Let, let's go back uh, because, you know, where we left off in the story, you are uh, heavily influenced by porn, treating women poorly, leaving, uh, you know, this wake of hurt feelings and abused relationships. And at some point, you, you got married and you had kids. So, mm-hmm. Was that before you discovered this was a problem? Like, how did the story go? And then, and when did you realize this was really a big problem for you? Sure. Well, I, I mean, I've always known it's a problem. It's just whether or not times in my life I was willing to acknowledge that or allow it to really take control, which is what I did in my early 20s, just let it. I, I got tired of fighting it and just was like, okay, take me away. But I met my wife during that time and, and she was very different from all the other women that I had had met. And, you know, she had this infectious laugh and like everything about her was awesome. And but I was like, in all honesty, I was looking for another hookup. And, you know, it just by the grace of God, that's not how it turned out. We 
when we started dating though, we were just a terrible couple. Like we fought, we drank all the time and like, we just really weren't a good couple. And it wasn't until my wife got curious about the church and, and exploring a faith in, in Jesus that we sort of brought me back to that and, and to recenter my, my values that I had prior. And that really unified us in a totally different way and allowed us to get on, on course with each other and get on the same page. I mean, we should have broken up a million times, but and I'm so grateful that that, that, that didn't happen because now we're just on a trajectory of, of growth in our marriage that's really you know doing some amazing things. And, but I still struggled with porn throughout that. You know, and we were sexually active, so it wasn't as uh, often. I didn't quote unquote need it as often because mm. I justified it all the time with like, you know, we weren't having enough sex and we, you know, I needed a release because I'm a man. You know, you can't go more than 24 hours without a release, right? It's unhealthy. Right. right. So, like, you know, you just, you justify all these things yeah. in your head. And, but it was always this thing, and this is a common theme that growth just gets stifled, you know, by hidden secrets and bad habits. And so really my whole life, my growth in any area of my life was hindered because I was spending so much energy and time, not even like just physical time, like watching porn, but like all the things leading up to it, you know, the, the time on social media and like, you know, you just constantly are looking for a little bump of dopamine to kind of like hold you over for a little bit. And then... And then it ultimately leads to to watching porn, but like I didn't realize how much time and energy I was spending on it. Yeah, um, like a black hole of all the videos and things that can happen and suck you in. I mean, same with YouTube or anything else, right? They could yeah, doesn't oh, even have sure. to be porn. Those nope. things can it's be movies, it's, it's everything. Yeah, and I never was open with her about this. I was. We always had a very open conversation about everything else in our life, but this was the thing that I had decided that I was never going to tell her. I was just going to quietly quit at some point in my life if I could and then just never bring it up again. And so that's how I was living. And you just don't realize how what a connection killer that is. We had a good marriage before. like We were, we were connected, but I didn't understand how much more I could have, how much better I could feel about myself and confidence in our marriage and confidence in our ability to connect in, in every way. And we had a good sex life. Like sex was always amazing. Like whether you know it or not, you bring in these expectations, especially when you watch porn for a long period of time. And that's how you grew up learning how, how that should be. Like you bring all that baggage into the bedroom and, and whether or not your, your brain is going to think about porn when you're having sex, like even if you're not, it's still killing a connection between you and your partner. It was rough. And there's always consequences to bad habits, right? And and this gets into the book a little bit here. And I'm, I'm not sure how far you want me to go down this path, but... Yeah, well, I want to yeah. know when and how did you make the decision that you know enough was enough and you needed to stop? Because I haven't personally dealt with you know this level of intensity for any type of one thing. Yep. Um, I've certainly dealt with my own you know, small addictions to different things. Um, but I know, uh, you know, I have friends who are alcoholics, you know, who are sober for a long time. And they say a lot of times that you kind of have to hit that rock bottom where you decide like enough is enough. I can't take this anymore. Where did you hit that point And how did you decide that like, this is it? And how did you decide to get out of it? Yeah, it's interesting because like you always hear about, you know, recovering addicts and things like that. They had to hit their rock bottom in order to make change. And that wasn't the case for me. Like... I felt like I was living in a in a state of like insanity prior because I was always at my rock bottom when it came to my own self value and the way that I saw myself and and how I felt I stacked up with the rest of the world. I was always in a state of that. I had moments, you know, but but just not being when you feel out of control with something, you feel like you have no strength. It wasn't some big moment that happened like, you know, I got caught and, and I was forced to come clean with everything or like, you know, I didn't have any affairs and I never wanted to have an affair. But it was a conversation I had with a, a fellow Alliance member, Jeff Bauman. It was before I even got into the Alliance. We were talking about his daughters and he told me, he said that everybody is telling him, you know, wait till they're teenagers. It, it's going to be so hard when they're teenagers. And so he took that and he realized that he could focus on 
how hard it's going to be. And he could focus on, you know, just all of the bad things that might come to pass, but that would distract him and his wife from teaching their daughters who they want them to be and instilling the values in them that they wanted to, to instill in them. And he said, you know, whatever you focus your mind on is what will come to be. And we had this conversation and, and, you know, I was like, wow, that's really great advice. And I was thinking about it more and I developed the habit of, of connecting with God every morning. It really just hit me like, what am I focusing on when it comes to stopping? And it was kind of like a, a light bulb clicked in my head of like, wow, because I've tried to quit every three weeks, you know, like, yeah. and then the cycle would continue. But I realized I've been focused on all of the wrong things this whole time. Like my whole life, all I, I've woken up every day and said, you know, don't watch porn today. Don't watch porn. Scott, don't watch porn today. Yeah. And what, what's the word you hear? You hear porn. Right. Or I would focus on, you know, the consequences and the things I didn't want. Like I would focus on using the consequences. Like, like when I would watch porn, I would feel this aura in my house, like just this disconnect between me and my wife and, and yeah. my kid. Like it's just this weird feeling in the house or like a disconnect from God. Like I felt like I was in a fog. Mm-hmm. And like I couldn't see my vision for my life. I couldn't see a purpose for my life. So these are all the things that I was focused on. I'm like, okay, I need to stop watching porn because it's causing me to to not be able to, you know, see my my future or whatever. Yeah. And so I was so focused on that. And when you focus on on the problem, when you focus on, you know, like if I'm saying don't watch porn and that's what I'm focused on, what has control over me all day? Yeah. Porn still has control, right? And right. so or whatever it is, yeah. And so I decided to kind of do a little exercise with myself and it was write down all of the consequences. And I did that, wrote them all all down. And then I took that list and I wrote the opposite of that consequence. Because if I was not wanting these consequences, I needed to shift my focus to what the opposite of that is. Mm. And so if it was disconnect from spouse, you know, I wrote down connection with spouse. If it was disconnect with God, I wrote connection with God. If it was uh, lack of vision for my life, I wrote down clear path to the vision of my life. And then I took that list and I took that one step further and I wrote down action steps for each one of those things. So like connection with my spouse, I wrote down, you know, text my wife, hug my wife. And then for connection with God, it was pray, meditate, you know, read the Bible. Productivity at work was one of them. So like I had a list of the things I needed to do and things I could accomplish every day. And so I now had this list of things that I could do. And it it took a little while, but I was able to shift my focus from focusing on porn, even in the context of not watching it, to now I am... You've heard this before, I'm sure, but it's like, it's not the things you're running away from Mm. that you need to focus on. It's the things you're running towards. And I realized that I need to stop running away from the consequences and the crap that I was feeling and start running towards what I actually want for my life. And instead, in a big part of that, it was actually spending time defining who I wanted to be as a man and what are the things that are going to get me there. And the big part was having that list of things I could do every day in order to not only not watch porn, but now do more for my life than ever before. And slowly, my brain started to make a switch from like, now at this point, I don't even think about porn. Now I just, I have developed so many new habits that there's no room for porn anymore. It's just all these habits. And, and since then, I've seen a, just a, an exponential amount of growth in, in basically every area of my life because all of that's gone. And it just took us, it's so simple. You know, it just, it was so simple, but actually doing it was very difficult. It's a huge mindset shift. Yeah, you're changing. You're completely changing your mindset. And like you said, you know, I I like what Jeff said about where your energy is. And it reminds me of something Tony Robbins talks about a lot, which is where focus goes, energy flows. And you're focused on before with those negative consequences, avoiding those negative consequences, still thinking about them all the time and they're pulling you back. And instead, you shifted the focus to what do I want my life to be like? Focus on those positive things. What do I want to get done? These other things that are so important to me, connection to my wife and my family and God. And that is driving you forward 
and putting more of that on your mind instead of the stuff you're running away from. I, I love that. It's a complete shift. Yes. Yeah. It was life-changing for me. In the book, there's a lot of other traditional steps in there, you know, accountability and finding accountability guys. And let's talk about that accountability for a second because accountability is really important uh, when you're trying to achieve a goal or uh, especially breaking an addiction, I've found. And I see a lot of people pairing up and getting groups going within the, the dad's group we belong to. But uh, how do you put that into action, especially if you're someone that you're not part of a group like that and you don't know who to talk to? It's really difficult. And I think the last thing you just said there is the biggest part is that the like what well, you don't have anybody to talk to. Like how are you supposed to find accountability if you don't have anybody to talk to? And and here's the the way I see it. I'm gonna paint some very broad pictures here. There's three types of people when it comes to like pornography. There's the people in the middle, which are, you know, me and other people who struggle with pornography, who believe that it is not serving them and want to get it out of their life, right? Yeah. And then there's people on this side, on one side that will shame you and tell you you're going to hell and tell you that you are, you know, how could you do this? You are so terrible. And there's obviously varying degrees of this. Yep. And then there's people on the other side who will try to convince you that porn's not wrong. Yeah. You know, you're doing it because it's a good release. It's not a big deal. Why, yeah, you, why are you making a help deal out of this? Problem? Yeah. It can help your marriage. It can help your sex life. Like there's people like <laughs> that. that. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's lots of people that do it. And so that leaves these people in the middle with nobody to talk to because yeah. they can't talk to these people because it's just going to make them feel even more worthless than they already feel. Right. There's people yeah. on the other side that are going to just, just help them justify what they're doing. So the people in the middle, the only people they can talk to is other people in the middle yeah. right? who also do, but their voice has been so stifled by the other crowds that they're too scared to talk to other people about it or they just don't know where to find it. You know, and um, and that's the importance of going out there and actively seeking other people that also want to do that. Yeah. Um, whether that's like it's hard to find, and I'm I feel fortunate that I I have found a group of people that really have helped me. But I think that the key is to share it with somebody. Yeah, you I think it. I think it's going to start with opening up. It's going to be a hard conversation. But I think a lot of people, you know, might be sitting here thinking like, oh man, that's a tough conversation. I don't know how I could, how I could open up about that. But what I think you would discover, what a lot of people discover, and what we all discover when we do this is that everybody is struggling with something. And that yes. when we're willing to be vulnerable and share our struggles with others, that gives them permission to share with you. And it's what bonds people at the end of the day. And so, yeah, you might run up against a couple of those you know, fire breathing. I, you know, I don't know what the word is, right? For the fire and brimstone people on the one side, they're like, oh, you're going to hell, even though they're watching porn too. Right. Uh, yep. Right. And a couple of the other, but a lot of people are going to say like, oh man, I don't struggle with that, but I'm addicted to gambling, online gambling. Can you help me? Yes. You know, like let's hold each other accountable. Yeah. Right. Oh, no, absolutely. And that's been my experience with it. I think accountability alone is not enough though, especially when it comes to, something that is you're seriously trying to remove from your life, like pornography or alcohol, like accountability, because you have to have the willpower yeah. to text them prior or text them when you're in a situation. But oftentimes you already have, you know, allowed your mind to go down that path and the chances of of you actually texting somebody are fairly slim. So it's a big part of it because then you have somebody to talk to, but you also need to take more actions. Like and I've also had accountability partners that have really, you know, not been committed or or not very helpful because they, you know, it ends up being enabling each other to be okay with struggling, you know, and yeah. it not saying that it's not okay to have struggles, but allow you to justify it. And um accountability alone isn't going to do it. I can see the value when it comes to like like goal setting because you have to report to somebody. Yeah. But they're accountability not they're not with you all the time. They're not in your exactly right, and you're with you when you when you write devices and, and you do whatever you're gonna do. Yep. And using your wife as an accountability partner for porn is probably not a good idea either. That may yeah. sound strange, but it uh it creates a very strange dynamic in the house of like kind of like a mother son kind of dynamic. Mm. And also of all the people that you don't want to disappoint, your wife is probably the one or your husband. I mean, I know that females also struggle with it. My I tend to to talk more in towards men because you know I am a man and, and I can relate to men. But 
not saying you shouldn't tell them about your struggle, but using them as accountability of well, all. I am curious about that time. because it, it's one thing to bring it up with a with a good friend, and that's a difficult enough conversation that that needs to happen to find that accountability. But how do you yep. bring that up with your wife? I mean, that's that's difficult too. Yep, this is the hardest question that I get with talking with men about porn. Is the do you tell your wife? Should I tell my wife about this? Yeah, it's one of those questions that like that is not up to me. You know, like you know your wife best, you love your wife, you know, and if you don't tell her you're lying by omission, mm-hmm. right? And you're hiding hiding something from your wife, which I don't condone. And then if you, if you do tell your wife, sometimes that becomes very unhelpful for your recovery because it, it like, like I said, it creates that dynamic in your home. I've heard it happen for lots of guys that it actually makes their struggle worse and makes it harder to break free from it. And it causes them to lie more to their wives because like, you don't want to disappoint your wife. So when she asks you, Hey, have you slipped up? Unless you like in a lot of relationships, yes, people can be honest and say, yes, I did. And I think it, it takes the wife understanding that this is a journey and there's going to be times where you fail yeah. And and I think that there needs to be some acceptance of that from the wife's perspective, even though understandably so, she feels betrayed and uh, likely has a lot of negative feelings about it. Right. Um, but it's a question that I can't answer. If you don't say it, what are the consequences of her finding out without you talking about it? You know, what's the consequence of, of her finding out that you've lied this whole time or that you lied to her face when she asked you about it? So you really got to weigh that out yourself and, and make a decision that's going to, one, help you get rid of it or be helpful in your recovery. And two, you just got to... That's up to you. Like, it's such a hard question. And yeah, I, it, I wish I had a better answer for it. And your your spouse and your relationship of all those things. So, so you talked about getting accountability and possibly having that conversation with your spouse and really up to you if they are your accountability or not. What other advice do you have in there for people who are trying to get over addiction or porn addiction, especially? Removing triggers is a really big one. And that's something that a lot of you know addicts have heard about too. Like triggers are just so strong. And if you're expecting yourself to will your way through life on willpower alone, it's just not sustainable. You might be able to make it a little ways. But until you remove some of those things, it just makes it so much more difficult. And I didn't even realize how much, how many triggers I had until I started removing them. Like social media, I now unfollow anybody that, you know, if I find myself lingering for a while and like, you know, whether it's sexy or not, like there's just nobody out there that is more important than my, than my marriage or, you know, my connection with God. And like, and it's nothing against that person. Like it's not their responsibility that I dove into a world of porn. Like it's yeah. nothing against them. I have no hard feelings towards people that want to share whatever they want to share on social media. But but for me, I just I can't be seeing that all the time. I understand that. That's the same it's, with you know if you're trying to avoid politics or negative mm-hmm. people or whatever. I've unfollowed plenty of people where I was like, you know what? I don't want this in my feed. I want positivity. You know, sorry, go yeah. enjoy your life. But, and, and it's amazing how much is out there on social media. I have not investigated this, but I remember one discussion about and with someone in our group talking about getting over porn addiction and saying, well, one thing they needed to do was clean out their Instagram feed because it was just full of, you know, whatever handles they were that were posting uh, pictures mm-hmm. of women scantily clad women and I was I didn't even realize it was a thing. I just follow all my friends. I'm like, man, yeah, right. there's so many temptations out there. Yep. You have to take action to remove all of those triggers because they're yep. everywhere. You have to be conscious of the movies that you're watching, especially when you're trying to break free from it. Like there is a time, you know, where you can introduce some of that stuff back into your life, not saying that you should or that it'll be helpful. But when you experience true freedom from something I sort of define that in a little bit different way. A lot of people see freedom, especially from from pornography or alcohol, as the like the number of days that you've gone without doing it. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that as freedom because I can make it 30 days without watching porn. But if I was thinking about the entire time, if I was focused on not watching porn and porn still had control over my brain, I don't call that freedom. I call it freedom when I can sit down on my couch when I'm home alone 
and I can just sit there and I can rest and I can, you know, read a book and I can think about about my life. And that's not an option for me. And it doesn't cross my mind. That is freedom for me. What's another, are there any other uh, like common triggers that people probably don't think about? Stress. Like, like some of the things, like everybody thinks for porn, it's like, Oh, you see a billboard, like a condom billboard that has a sexy lady on it, or you know, like you talk about, you know, movies and TV shows and music and all that stuff, but you don't think about the things of like the probably more common so is is stress related, like after a fight with your wife, or you know, just drinking was one for me. Cause when I was feeling crap the next day, it was like I I felt like I I needed to do that more so I could just feel something, you know, feel better about my physical state because I could get this big, huge release of dopamine and and have yeah. that moment where I felt nice and so some of that stuff and and that's the the hard part about getting ridding yourself of triggers is is you have to do a lot of uncomfortable things and you have to change things like getting rid of alcohol was a big one for me and. You're never going to please everybody. You might have to drop a friend for a little while if they are constantly asking you to go to the strip club or like you might have to just spend less time with people and and yeah. That can be really hard. Yeah. And it can also like lead you down a path of blaming everybody and everything in the world for your problem that you have and that you have to deal with. Right. But you've um, got to take personal responsibility for that. Exactly. And, and, and you got to take personal responsibility for the people that you're surrounding yourself with as well, right? Exactly. If are a bad influence then you you got to change it up. It's tough, but Yep. You got to. Well, speaking of that, a big question that I have in my mind that you know other people may be wondering too is, I mean, I think it's awesome. You you figured this out. You focused on the right things. You freed yourself from this addiction. You're also not drinking anymore either, and you're you've got better connection with your family. You're living this great life now. Why are you sharing this so publicly? Because it's rare, and I would say that a lot of people are out there sharing how they got over certain problems. I mean, certainly you can hear stories about alcohol and drugs and other things. This one has such a stigma in society. It's so rare to hear people talking about it. So it had to be scary for you to start to put this out there. right? So to be so vulnerable, really, at the end of the day... And I talk all the time about my podcast and other places about how vulnerability is what bonds people. It's what gets people, causes people to actually relate to you and like you. It's so important. And yet... It's so scary to put something like this out there. So talk to me about the fear and the decision to go forward and write this book and start talking publicly mm. about it anyway. Yeah, this is a really important part of it. There's a quote I came across recently uh, by Rick Warren that says, hiding your hurt only intensifies it. Mm. Problems grow in the dark and only become bigger and bigger. But when exposed to the light of truth, they shrink. You're only as sick as your secrets. So take off your mask, stop pretending you're perfect and walk into freedom. And after I had felt like I had broken free, I still hadn't told my wife about my porn struggles. Because I, like I said, I was just going to, to quietly quit and then never, never share that. And, and one of the consequences of, of not sharing your story with, especially with your wife... Right, she's going to listen to this podcast. Yeah, this is how I'm telling her. Right <laughs> yeah, no, no. I realized I couldn't celebrate anything with her, mm. and uh, I couldn't. I just couldn't share the joys and the milestones, and and I couldn't share the freedom because I, I want to share everything with my wife, and that includes freedom together. So I, I actually started writing the book before I even told her because because I had run through some of these steps from the book with a few other guys and they're they're experiencing some tremendous success with it. Um, I think one guy's almost at 200 days if you're counting days and if you're you know measuring it by days, but he's changed his whole life. You know, he was forgetting about to turn off lights in his house, walking out of rooms and like got rid of porn, and now he's not. You know, like it was taking up so much of his mind that he yeah. was forgetting to do daily life tasks and and now he's experiencing freedom in a totally different way and and it's amazing. And so I started writing the books. So I was like, wow, if this worked for me, if it's working for other men, like I should get this out there. But I I realized at some point that nothing was gonna happen and nobody was gonna get help, nobody was gonna experience freedom because this would mean I would have to share my story. One with my wife and two with the world. 
And so I kind of kicked the can down the road and I just was mulling over it. And finally, I just said, you know, I need to talk to my wife about this because this needs to help people. Like there are men out there hurting, their relationships are hurting. There are men whose wives just got up and left because, you know, they have this porn stroke that they need to figure out. And so there needs to be, you know, another method out there that's not shame and guilt. It needs to get out there. And so, I had that conversation with my wife and she's been, you know, amazingly supportive of me and she's still processing through all of that. I think we had laid a lot of groundwork uh prior to that conversation about, you know, just in our marriage and in our trust in each other and and she's still processing through a lot of that and we just have this very open I didn't go into like the nitty-gritty details for everything when I told her I I told her about it and I came to her from a place of strength that I was no longer struggling with it. And now as she has questions, she can bring it up to me if she wants to so she can get some clarity on things. And and now she understands that it was zero about her and it was all about me. You know, This struggle was mine. It was not my heart. It was a struggle that I was just entrenched in and it had nothing to do with her. Yeah, but, it started so, long before you ever met her anyway. I mean, it, yep. it was that. Yeah, it was a way of life. But anyway, so we had a conversation a little while ago, a while back where... We were discussing things in our life that we were doing and not doing based on fear of what other people will think of us. Mm, so common. And it was a it was a pretty big list. Can you By give the me end another of the, example from that list? The big one for me was the book. I don't feel like I need to share her stuff, but for me it was being open about this with my family. And it, it was more about individual people, about sharing this this stuff with, about alcohol as well. And honestly, like every opportunity that's come up. Like there's been several opportunities that I've said no to because of fear that I am not enough or or that I'm not good enough at doing that. Yeah. Or that I I'm not going to do a good enough job or, or people are going to hold me to a higher standard than I want to hold myself to. Mm-hmm. You know, just some leadership opportunities, you know, at work and things like that. And I've I've just said no. And by the end of that conversation, we both made a commitment to each other that we would strive to no longer operate from that stance. And there's still some things, you know, like financially is a hard one for me to still not act out of fear. But that conversation really sparked a fire under me to like, you know, hey, I am not going to be scared about sharing this with people. I texted my family the next day, like, hey, I struggled with porn for 20 years. Like I'm writing a How book. <laughs> I'm going to get it out there. Yeah. It's amazing when you get it out there. You'll be surprised at how many people are supportive of you. It releases you from any expectations. Like I could come on on here with you. I still get nervous. Like, And it's not that I'm not scared. It's just yeah. that I've decided to make a choice in my life that I'm going to to continue on despite of that fear. Yeah. I'm still nervous to be on here and it's still not fun to to share my story. I actually publicly posted on my on my Facebook page my struggles with porn recently and that was scary and like I went yeah. to bed afterwards and I'm like I don't want to wake up tomorrow cuz this is going to be crazy and Yeah. I get think- nervous and and worried about that stuff and people commend me all the time about all the stuff I'm posting on social media and I try to get vulnerable with stuff but I mean, I spend so much time hovering over that click button, <laughs> you know, that publish button. I'm like, uh-huh. I, do I want to uh, I mean, I did it this morning. I published a post about how I had an argument with a really good friend this week. And we yeah, I saw that right before I hopped on here. Yeah, yeah, it was for friendship. And I thought it was a lesson that people could learn from. And I didn't name him. And still, I was like, ah, do I want to post this? Do I sound like I'm bragging? Are people going to judge me? And then you know, you got to be like, who cares? I'm trying to help people. It's being done with the right intent. So we got to stop fearing what other people are going to yep. think. There's always going to be people out there that don't agree with with what you're doing, and there's always going to be you know pushback on it. It's just how much you know that. Yeah, they're going to judge you. And one thing I learned um, that I will I will never forget it was when I got to see uh, Gary V speak uh, live a couple months ago, and he basically said, "You don't worry about those people if they're judging you. That's on them, Mm. not on you. It's on them." That they're sitting around judging you for what you've Love done. That. You know, they have plenty of things to be to probably be judged for too, but we don't <laughs> want to sit around doing that. So you so you got it out there with your faith, you had the conversation with your wife, you got it out there with your family, started working on this book and decided that you're gonna share this. Did you talk to people at work too? Because you have a job at a company and that's always kind of an awkward uh, Yeah. 
I'm friends with some people on social media from work. Um, I haven't like gone out and publicly, you know, shared like, Hey, you guys, I've, I struggled with porn for 20 years. And I don't know if that's an avenue that I really need to, not that I'm doing that out of fear. And, and I guess one could argue that I am, but like, it's kind of like, I guess there's probably lots of guys at my work that struggle with it. So, yeah, but it's more of a, yeah, no, Hey, <laughs> I like this because because this is this is exposing other other areas that I might just be fearful of and why I'm not acting. That's awesome. There you go, and you might help more people, and they're probably going to hear about it, and some of them are going to relate, and they're probably going to reach out to you anyway. You know, one of our mutual friends and, and mentors, Jason McKenzie, he talks about in his book, which is all about vulnerability and and connecting with others. That when he was an executive of a company, people heard about all his struggles with alcohol and started coming to him to share their struggles as well. And yeah. uh, when we share those stories, then it allows other people, gives them permission to come share with us as oh, well. It's yeah. pretty amazing. And that's where healing happens. You know, like when when two people are vulnerable to with each other, that's how you can heal, and that's how you can you can break free from this stuff. And if you leave something hidden deep in your mind, that's where it's going to stay. And it'll never come out and, and you'll never be free from it. So getting it out there is... And I'm not telling everybody that you know if you have a porn struggle, go on social media and tell everybody about it. But finding someone to share it with... And yeah, you, start and, with your best friend before you go to social media. Yeah, yes. Well, if you get there. Yep. And, and even if, if it's a conversation with some, some guys and you're you know, jesting about porn and like it's an uncomfortable conversation, but like maybe even bringing it up like, hey... This kind of isn't what I want to be doing. I think a lot of people put up a, a face. It's like a rite of passage for men now to to watch porn and be you know ogling at the waitress in the restaurant. I think it's what men are sort of expected to do, and and so challenging that with some of some of your friends might open up something in them as well, because they they're probably thinking the same thing you are. Like they don't really want to be doing it, or maybe they really enjoy it, and and that's a that's a, for a different day, you know. But really getting it out there. That's that's where healing can happen. Well, on that note, the one question I want to ask you, and we got to wrap things yeah. up here soon. Oh, what sure, was yeah. the reaction to your post on, on Facebook, on social media? It was... so. I mean, obviously, I don't know what the people that didn't interact with it were thinking. Right. Yeah. But it was overwhelming support. I mean, it was like, congratulations on the book. And also, like more so, it was, thank you for, for trying to deal with a topic that everybody has been touched by. Whether you struggle with it directly or whether you, your spouse struggles with it directly, you probably know somebody. And actually, you've probably talked to 10 people today that struggle with it. But it was overwhelming. And I got messages saying like, Hey, we, we've dealt with this in my marriage. You know, like I'd love to yeah. get the book. And it was overwhelmingly supportive. And I think that's what you'll find. The, the more you get open, the more people... People love it, you know, and and people support you, and people are more willing to help you than you than you think. Yeah, and the rest doesn't matter, you know. Right. Yeah, it's about living the life that you want to live and getting the support for that. Forget the judgment and all those other things. You only get one shot to live your life. Scott, last piece of advice for anyone, especially for the people who are listening to this right now, and I don't know how many there are who are thinking. Yeah, it does have a grip on me. I am watching that regularly and I do really want to stop. What's the next thing they need to do? What's the first step? The first step, yeah. First step is to buy the book. Obviously, I'm a little biased on that. <laughs> it's a Christian-based book, but honestly, the content in there is is so valuable. I think you need to to really start understanding that that you have value. Like I understand from having a life uh, where I felt worthless because of of my struggle. I think a lot of people feel that way, and maybe it's not to the point of like feeling worthless, but but you feel like you've assigned yourself a value that's less than other people because you struggle with something that has control over you. Yeah, I think understanding that you are valued just as much as a person that doesn't struggle with it, somebody who does, that everybody has the same value before God, and really tapping into that. And not allowing you know the labels that you put upon yourself, not allowing those things to really take hold of you because it's self-fulfilling prophecy. The more things that you focus on that are negative and focusing on your problem, that is never going to help you break free from what you're struggling with. 
need to understand that you are valued and you have worth and you have you have something to share with people and you can help people too. But really just start defining who you want to be as a human being and as as a man or a woman. Define that first. Write it down. Mm. What are your values? Where do you want to be with your family? Like, What is that? And start running towards that and stop running away from all the garbage that you've been beating yourself up with your whole life and, and start running towards a life that is uh, worth living and that you are proud of and that you can wake up every day and, and feel proud of yourself for what you're doing. And stop chasing happiness. Happiness is not the goal of life. Happiness is fantastic. But you're going to have to do some things that are going to be uncomfortable and you're going to have to do things that are going to be something that really you know rocks the boat in your life. And it's going to make things really hard for a while. Mm. And I think that that running away from things that make you uncomfortable is also going to hold you back when it comes to being free. So really not seeking to be comfortable in your life, but yet understanding that you have unlimited value is probably the first mindset that I would, I would start pushing people towards. Fantastic, man. Like, Think about what you're worth, that you're not the only one, you're not alone struggling with this stuff. And think about the life that you want to live and how you want to get there. And that holds true for, for almost anything. Yep. That's great advice. Scott, for anybody listening that wants to get in touch with you to talk more or they want to get the book, where do they go? The book's on Amazon. You just uh, search for Stop Running Away and it's right up at the top of the list. Otherwise, you can if you have direct questions or you just want to share your story, I would encourage you to do that. And I'm a, I'm a non-judgmental ear, so fire away. My email address right now is uh, stoprunningawaymindset at gmail.com. And we're just, just getting going on a website and Instagram right now. But we have the handle Stop Running Away Mindset on Instagram. Uh, we're just going to kick that off shortly and then stoprunningaway.com will be the website if you want to follow along. Otherwise, just shoot me an email if you just want to share your story. Because I know we've talked a lot about you know just getting it out there to somebody so yeah. it's not stuck in your brain. Shoot me an email. I can't promise that I can provide accountability for every human being out there that, yeah. that, that needs it. But you can be a listening ear, a non-judgmental yep. listening ear. Exactly. And then what you, a lot of people need. That's what they need. They need to be able to share and just get it out there. I yep. um, appreciate you putting that there. And Scott, I want to honor you and say I am so grateful for you and what you are doing because I know you are going to help so many people by putting this story out there, by being willing to push past that fear, to starve that fear, and to put your story out there publicly to share with others because it is going to make a difference. It's going to mean a lot to a lot of people. So I just want to say thank you so much for doing that. I love what you're doing. And uh, I love that we are friends. Yes. And Andy, I, I want to thank you for having the courage to, to bring this on your show. And there's a lot of people that aren't willing to do that. So thank you for giving me a place to get this message out there. And that takes a lot of courage. And, and I'm, I'm honored to know you. And, and I'm so excited to see where you're going to, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Nothing's off limit on this show. This show is about helping people Yes. Starve their fears, follow their dreams, live life intentionally, and live their best life. And if that means getting over addictions, it means overcoming fear. We are going to talk about that. So thank you again, Scott, for coming on. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Sounds good, Andy. Thank you. 